0: Hey, it's Gonzano I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize sequence.
0: Welcome to
1: The Baldcast. A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the
0: Baldface Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game. A lot of movement in college football, we all know that, made a bunch of people anxious. But what's going on in the Big Sky Conference, and what is the trickle-down effect of all of the uh, movement we see with expansion? Uh, When you look at the football championship subdivision that Portland State and others in the Big Sky Conference participate in, What will be the net effect of all of this? Here to talk about it, Tom Wisterstill is the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, and he's joining us. What was your reaction when you you saw USC-UCLA to the Big Ten, Tom? I was shocked,
2: um, as I assume most people in the country were, uh, especially all of us out west here. Um, You know, it's one of those things, you know, I guess I was surprised by Texas and Oklahoma, Um, but I was more surprised with USC and UCLA. And so it definitely kind of sends shockwaves around college athletics and around all of us that uh, make a living doing this, and especially our commissioner's group of 32 conferences. um, You know, you always know that there's going to be some trickle-down effect to that and what that's going to be. Nobody knows, but um, I I think shocked is the best uh, adjective I have for you there.
0: One of the first things I thought about was, you know, okay, does this make those payday games that the the major college programs play against the FCS schools, does this make them those payday games more important, less important? I couldn't quite figure that out. What's the sentiment right now as far as that trickle down? I think we feel pretty
2: good about where we're at. You know, it's one of those things as far as the guarantee games go. You know, the math just doesn't add up for all of those you know, power five conferences, you know, each of those schools need seven home games, maybe eight to make their budgets work and, and to sell their suites at the numbers they need them. So, you know, the numbers just don't work for them all to play each other every game. So, uh, we feel pretty good about where we're at. Our, sometimes our geography is a hindrance because it's expensive, you know, because we have to fly all over the West coast for all our games. But this is one of those instances where our geography helps us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're an easy drive for schools like Portland State to play uh, play a Power 5 program. Same thing for Eastern Washington and Northern Arizona and all our programs. So, um, so right now, I think we feel pretty good about where we're at from that perspective.
0: It's uh, interesting to kind of see, like, you know, the health of college football. How do you feel right now about the Big Sky and the FCS level in particular health-wise?
2: I think we're in a really good sweet spot. Um, you know, I think... You know, th- what happened when Texas and Oklahoma left, you know, was this shakeup that everybody did, was kind of like, okay, is that it? And then it settled down for a while. Um, and then the timing of the, of the USC-UCLA uh, move was interesting because literally it happened the week after we were all actually here in Utah, up in Park City, all 32 of us having meetings and, and uh, a lot of good camaraderie and good time had by all. And then the move happens with USC and UCLA, and then that kind of shakes the cornerstone of okay, what's going to happen? Um, but to me, that provided some clarity. To me, there's, to me, it's clear that the Big Ten and the SEC want to create their own group, um, be it 40 schools, whatever, and have this super type uh, type league, NFL light, if you want to call it. And uh, you know what that means then for us at the at the mid major level is. You know, the nice thing is we've got, you know, 125, 130 schools that all look very similar, Um, similar in scholarships, similar in budget, similar in what I like to call the balance between, you know, uh, money and education. And I I like where we're at. I think that's a real sweet spot for us. Um, In between those two, it's it's a real mess right now, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, you have uncertainty within the Pac-12 and the Big 12. You know, the ACC is pretty stable, but I'm not sure they really want to be uh, with their long-term uh, contracts. So, you know, you just have a lot of uncertainty out there in that middle group that I think makes it really hard uh, right now. But nonetheless, I feel good about where we're at. There's going to be a place for the big sky. There's too many schools like us. Uh, there's too many um, too many schools that focus in on, you know, that, that like I said, that balance between athletics and academics of saying – You know, Yeah, we want to make money, but we're not chasing the almighty dollar. It's about a great um, marketing tool for our universities to have intercollegiate athletics, provide really competitive athletics for a broad and diverse group of student-athletes, and that's what our schools are about in the Big Sky Conference.
0: Tom Wistersill, Big Sky Conference Commissioner is our guest. You hit on it right there because I think we are at a fork in the road for college athletics, and it feels like the – major conferences want to turn semi-professional and i wonder if in some weird way this positions your level of football your your conference in particular as a true college experience if there still is one
2: that certainly is a goal of ours we want to be that we want to be that group and you know it's hard i mean i you know i worked at two power five institutions at wisconsin and minnesota and it's it's hard to continually bang the drum about education when you're paying your football coach $10 million. And, uh, and so that's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to justify to whether it be your constituents or whether it be Congress uh, or the court of public opinion. And so that's what I feel good about what our schools do. You know, our 10 full-time members are, are very much alike. If you know, public institutions that focus in on graduation and providing a great educational experience for the, the regular students as well as the student-athletes. And then, oh, by the way, we can have incredible uh, athletics and compete for national champions, championships in some of our sports uh, and be able to still compete with the big boys on occasion on the football field too. So um, I like that sweet spot that we're in.
0: Tom, let me ask you, you know, I, I, I wondered what the Pac-12 could have done to stop USC UCLA and all I can come to is you know there there maybe there was some proactive things that they should have been doing in the last year did this cause you at all and your staff to start going hey we need to make house calls on all our members make sure everybody's happy I'm I'm guessing that probably went on around the country
2: yeah I think that's a fair assessment you know I mean you know to me the only thing the Pac 12 you know the the only thing that I've said this the only thing the Pac-12 I think could have done, and I'm not sure it would have mattered in the end, but I think getting to that 12-team playoff might have helped some. Um, securing an automatic bid for the, for the conference champions, those five champions, I think that's the only thing differently maybe I would have done or would have suggested the Pac-12 do had I been in those shoes. But, you know, for us, you know, it's about, you know, we do communicate frequently with our presidents and ADs and talk about what's going on. You know, the bottom line is, is if, if one of our schools gets a call and there's a tremendous amount of money at the end and they choose to go to FBS, there's nothing we can do about it. So I'm not going to lose sleep over stuff like that. But, but I do believe that because like I said, you know, so many of our schools look so much alike in how we operate and what we do and how we pay our coaches and how we travel and how we recruit. Um, it's, it, it, it takes a, it's a really big jump. I was a group of five AD for, for 6 years in the Mac, you know, very similar to the Mountain West and and it's a, it's an awful big jump for those schools to be able to try to afford what they're doing and so all of a sudden you're paying those salaries and paying those scholarships and and uh, while there's some really good things about it there's also a downside as well. So, you know, we'll continue to work really hard to provide the best opportunity for our for our members and hope that that hope that we're stable a year from now we're still in that same boat but uh, time will tell and like I said John there's only so much we can do about some of those decisions
0: I love talking about the big sky covering it and I know a lot of our listeners across the state and people listening on the podcast after it gets posted or you know they they all have dogs in this fight at Sacramento State and Eastern Washington and and other places um, there's a lot of TV money out there we're seeing it and I'm wondering, is there a way for the big Sky conference will that trickle down will you will you see media rights money find its way to you guys eventually because there's just flat out need for content
2: yeah I think what you're seeing is that um, you know we, we have a we have a good media rights deal right now with with ESPN plus you know and we're able to you know continue to have you know great um, great content I'm sorry there We're able to have great, great content on ESPN Plus and also with um, uh, with our new scripts deal that will provide linear coverage to to our programs. But nonetheless, the big dollars out there, I think what what I'm happy to see is, you know, just the increased rights fees across the country, um, I think will, will trickle down. Now, will that mean hundreds of millions of dollars for us? Not yet. But live sports is the greatest thing for linear TV. If you, the, the number I saw was of the top 100 programs last year, 95 of them were live sports. So, you know, so the, the thirst is out there, and we'll continue to grow. We'll continue to provide a great option for fans. And then hopefully in a couple of years we'll start our renegotiations with ESPN here a little over a year from now, um, then we can start to see some real growth. You know, but it's all about competition, John, and that's, that's what we need to have. We need more players in the marketplace. We need, you know, not just Fox and ESPN. You know, we need Peacock and we need Paramount and we need some of these other streaming services to put some money into college sports as well. So it creates more competition, and I think that will that will end up in a really good place for us.
0: Yeah, there's been some talk about ESPN Plus. They raised their subscriber fees. They're obviously uh, in need of content. There's been some talk about the Pac-12 ending up. On ESPN plus give us an idea of what that experience has been like for the big sky
2: for us it's been really positive I mean what we found is our schools stepped up our presidents put additional money towards production uh, and personnel and so it was just in year one of our deal we saw a, a, a great increase in the quality of the productions you know, and I think what people want is just a place they know they can go see the game, and not we're not. And, and this way, you can't just look at it saying football, men's basketball. You got to think about, you know, track and field and tennis and softball and baseball and all the other sports that all the conferences have out west here. Of, you know, if you know that it's going to be there, then it's easy to go find it. And so, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a softball parent of an Oregon softball player that lives in Phoenix. I just want to know every game's going to be somewhere I can watch it. And so then that justifies the cost, whether it be 8 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month. Then, all, then obviously the more subscribers that come in, the higher those rights fees are going to go. So I think that's just the way it is now. And for us, the quality level is really no different, whether we're on ESPNU or we're on ESPN Plus or ESPN2 or, or Fox Sports 1. The quality is so similar now that people aren't going to notice the difference. That that didn't used to be the case, uh, but now I think that's the way the world is going to go, um, and I'm really excited about that because then it's kind of one-stop shopping for fans. It's worked out really good for us, and I think the Power Five uh, conferences will certainly uh, trend in that direction with some of those sports because it just makes sense both financially because that's where – Uh, You know, companies like ESPN and others want to drive their viewers. And then secondly, from a production standpoint, easy to do. And, um, you know, it's set up in a way that's easy to consume for our our constituents.
0: Before I cut you loose, again, we're talking to Tom Wisterstill, the Big Sky Conference Commissioner. Um, The USC-UCLA equation, it it feels that it's going to be cumbersome at best for the non-football athletes that have to play Big Ten schedules. In your world, that has to be – people have to be talking about that oh yeah
2: no doubt you know i think that's one of those things where you know again i you know i certainly was a part of the discussions between those two schools and the big 10 but you know obviously the discussion starts around the money that can flow through the system and the increase that'll come from the partners it sounds like the big Ten's going to announce their. You know, their media rights deal here in the next couple of weeks is kind of the rumor, and so that's when we'll really get to see what the value is there. But um, but I certainly, you know, don't think there are a lot of people thinking about, hey, what's going to happen when a softball series between UCLA plays Rutgers and Maryland? And how do you do that? You know, do they fly in on Tuesday and then fly back on Sunday and you know, and so then the next week they have a home game, but then the next week they're doing Michigan and Michigan State, and pretty soon the travel costs and the time away from campus. And I certainly think that's gotten lost in that discussion, and it's a real shame because, again, they're supposed to be student athletes. But nonetheless, um, that's the decisions they made as they trend towards that more professional model. And, uh, and like I said, we feel really good about where we're at in the big sky and, and the balance we've been able to strike.
0: How do you feel about early season football games? Which games are you looking forward to seeing? I'll tell you what. I've never
2: been to a game at Oregon before. And uh, Eastern Washington plays there in uh, week two, I believe. So I I can't wait to be there in Eugene and uh, looking forward to that. Rob uh, Mullins is a good friend of mine. Looking forward to seeing him. Um, You know, I'm going to be down Arizona State, host uh, Northern Arizona. And last year, Northern Arizona beat Arizona. Um, I know Arizona state's a little better. So looking forward to that, to that game. And then uh, I've also never seen a game at Wazoo and Idaho's playing at Washington state that first Saturday. So um, I got my first couple of weeks are uh, I'm chocolate chip, uh, taking off a few of the PAC 12 schools. I haven't seen yet looking forward to those, but um, you know, our schools, you know, that balance between, you know, finding some home games, getting some money games, and then trying to win a national championship. And that's, what our conference goal is and i think we've got five or six teams that could do it this year so it should be a really really exciting season for big sky football
0: now my researchers tell me that you have been making your way around your conference challenging big sky athletes in their respective sports are you out of your mind tom like what are you doing you playing basketball and track and field and volleyball what's going on yeah, I've tried a few things. It's a little competing with the commission. It's just kind of a fun video series we've
2: done. Um, I still have a number of sports to uh, to get off the list, but uh, yeah, I can tell you this. I played college basketball at a Division three school in Minnesota, so at least I can shoot a little bit. So I did hold my own and horse against the men's team at Montana, <laughs> but the rest of the sports were awful. I was I couldn't have been worse. And I'll tell you what, volley trying to hit a volleyball, a return of a volleyball serve. They send those knuckleballs at you. (laughs) That might be the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in sports. So um, I I have complete respect and admiration for all of them. But it's a fun way to to get to know the student athletes, let them know that, uh, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. They are sports. They're supposed to be fun. And uh, it's a great way to get to know them.
0: Tom Worcestershire, Big Sky Commissioner, thank you for your time. Wish you the best. I'll see you when you uh, you visit Oregon.
2: Appreciate it. Take care.
0: All right, there it is. The the view from the big sky. I think it's important because we all think about the Pac twelve, we think about the Big Ten, the SEC. There is a trickle down here. And and in some weird twist, I, I almost think that those guarantee games or the payday games that are so vital to, you know, the Portland states and the eastern Washington, Sacramento States, I almost feel that they become even more important because, you know, I I, I would expect to see that some of these conferences are not going to want to play crossover non-conference games. I don't see the Pac-12 right now lining up to go schedule games against the Big Ten for, you know, based on what happened with USC and UCLA going. I, maybe I'll be wrong in the end, but I wonder if the market for these guaranteed games will start to inflate a little bit for that reason. I want you to leave it here. So much more ahead.
2: Back to the Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
0: Good stuff with Tom Wisterstuhl, the Big Sky Conference Commissioner. Chase Coda, University of Oregon football player on tomorrow's show. Also, uh, Marcus Lattimore, former NFL player former 49er will be joining us tomorrow as well. Uh, I uh, I started a podcast with John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group and we we got this idea weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. But only after USC and UCLA decided that they were defecting to the Big Ten conference, we kinda said, Hey, we better, you know, we better get on this. Uh, let's do this. Um, and so we launched the Konzano and Wilner podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get a podcast. You can find Konzano and Wilner. That's how you find it. Just search for us. Um, but I'm going to play a, li- a little clip from our from our podcast episode that posts today. Um, and And I think it'll spark a bigger discussion. We were talking about Well, I I framed the question to Wilner, I want to know about the non-conference games and how important is it for the Pac-12 now with USC moving uh, to win some non-conference games? And oh, by the way, how important is everybody not named USC or UCLA to that equation? Here is a snippet of that conversation, a little tease for you, if you will, of John Wilner and I, John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group, frequent guest of this show, talking about what this all means for the Pac-12 conference and really what the non-conference games in particular mean for this conference. How important is it for the Pac-12 to get some wins and strong showings in those non-conference games with all
1: of this turmoil going on? It's funny how that has shifted, right? Prior to June 30th, I would have argued that USC was the most important team for the conference this season and having a good year under Lincoln-Riley because the Pac-12 was going to renegotiate its media rights after the season. And if SC had shown promise, that could uh, you know, increase the valuation for the whole conference. Now SC's out of that picture on future valuation. And so you'll wonder, you know, Oregon and Utah are key players in that at this point. And the timing may work, right? I think this negotiations for the Pac-12 is going to, take up, you know, a couple months, potentially. If, if Oregon and Utah start off well, uh, win those those big early games, you know, that can't hurt the conference in terms of go, when they go to the market to, to sell their football product, right? It, and then you get the whole level of what it does immediately for playoff hunt and for, you know, the Pac-12's reputation this season alone. So to me, those two schools especially – uh, th- there's layered importance to how they do this season.
0: Yeah, and and I th- you know I keep thinking like of course there's a lot of hype around USC and Lincoln Riley and everybody's curious to see how he does. But you're right, like you know you talk about what are the most important games? It's Oregon, Georgia on September third. It's Utah, Florida that same weekend in Gainesville, and then you probably look at you know Oregon playing BYU in week three, Arizona State uh, at Oklahoma State in week two. Uh, you go to like Washington State and Wisconsin that same week, that second week. And week three, it's Washington, Michigan State. Like I'm still looking for a USC game and I'm already reeling off five or six games that are vital to this conference. And I don't think Oregon can beat Georgia, right? I don't think, I don't see that happening. I, I called Oregon over Ohio State last year. I don't see it in this one, but I think Oregon can play them uh, respectably. I think the biggest opportunity for this conference is Utah going to Gainesville and punching Florida in the nose. I think that would be a statement early on that this conference is not left behind. And, you know, it, if Utah somehow goes in there and loses or gets embarrassed, I think it is a it would be a bad loss for the conference because I think that's a middle-road SEC
1: team against the team we all believe is going to be the conference champion. Yep, and just, just from a numbers standpoint, right, no two-loss team has ever gotten in the playoff. No team in the Pac-12 era has ever gone undefeated in conference play, so that tells you that if if somebody Utah, Oregon, whoever, they got to finish thirteen and zero or twelve and one to get in the playoff, and they're probably not going to win all their league games. So Utah, if they lose at Florida, then. You know they got to do what nobody's done, which is run the table in conference play in order to get in the playoff, and that that seems like a pretty tall order. So it's kind of the same thing as you as Oregon last year. You got to win that big opener, and then you got to play well. And and you know, Oregon couldn't get it done at Stanford. That was the big game that derailed them. Utah, if they can win in the swamp, and and, you know just lose once somewhere, then they're going to be in the playoff.
0: That's uh, an excerpt from the Kanzano and Wilner podcast. You can grab it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you go. But the you know, we went into a much longer discussion about why that's important. Part of it is media rights. Part of it is the Pac-12 will be negotiating their deal with ESPN, Amazon, Apple, whoever is at the table as the early season games are happening. Second part of it is just the perception of the Pac-12 Prior to expansion of this playoff, it would, be, it, it would be a massive accomplishment to get another team in the playoff. The Pac-12s only had two teams ever participate in the playoff. We know they're Oregon and Washington. It's been nobody else. I think somebody besides Oregon and Washington contending and getting to the playoff and meriting a payday and showing that the Pac-12 can matter on the national landscape. Hey, Utah doesn't need to go to the Big Ten to get into the playoff. They can get into the playoff playing in Salt Lake City, playing in the Pac-12 conference. It's, it's just a massive development. And it, these early season games, last year it was a historically bad non-conference for the Pac-12. It was a historically bad bowl season for the Pac-12. They did not perform in non-conference games. And part of the of what is happening here is that the programs inside the conference are not funded in the way that other conferences are. The, it is catching up to the Pac-12. I wrote about it and started writing about it in 2016, 2017, 2018. I said the bills come and due, they are 10 million dollars behind a year, they are 20 million dollars behind a year. It was Larry Scott's fault, but ultimately they have to start winning some of these games or the narrative nationally, it's not just about money, it's about your football sucks. And so I think it is important for Utah in particular and Washington hosting Michigan State and Washington State going to Wisconsin and Arizona State has got a game with San Diego State and and Oregon obviously playing Georgia. I'm not expecting Oregon to win that game, but I think it's massively important that they compete in these games and show that they belong in major college football. Our big splash is coming up. I want you to leave it here. Here.
2: We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from
0: the Bald hey, Face Truth Sorry Trump to interrupt Florida. the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.